All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me as always, my right-hand man, Lou. Lou, I feel like I say the same thing all the time when in the intro, so I'm going to change it up a little bit. But yes, there is another week in the books, and we're here to discuss our Week 17 recap. But I feel like sad times are quickly upon us. I literally can't believe we are heading into the final week of the 2021 NFL regular season it has flown by but i'm going to hit you with a silver lining with all of this okay and what does excite me about the next few months and post playoffs is we're going to actually begin to talk about some of our favorite topics and where we began our podcast around things like the senior bowl free agency the 2022 nfl draft um either way it, it feels a little bittersweet um, but I've had a lot of fun diving into our first regular season together as the We're Talking Football podcast and not just fantasy football text messaging, talking shit back and forth between you and I. There's been some real context and some real substance around it. So before I get all teary-eyed on you, because I might, uh, still a lot to look forward to in the final week of the season. You got one spot that's still up for grabs in the playoffs in the NFC. You have two remaining spots up for grabs in the AFC. Both our teams, the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Chargers, are in contention for those final spots. Words that I thought I would never utter when this season actually began for either of us. Either of us, And that's what I'll be focused on heading into the weekend. So now that I'm off my, my high horse and out of my ivory tower, Anything you want to add in terms of your thoughts and your feelings heading into the final week of the regular season? Yeah, normally um, by this time uh, of, this, of a year like this, I'm already focused on the draft and you know free agency because the LA Chargers are normally out of it by now. It's pleasant to actually have a little hope, even though hope I always say will kill you. But before we get into our show and everything, Weston, I want to ask you, this is our first show of the new year, right? This is our first show of the new year. Happy New Year to our Happy listeners. New Year. Any resolutions? Actually, yes. Um, I have two, um, believe it or not. I feel like it's the same two that most people get into, but I have made a commitment to myself to be much more physically active um, and take better care of myself, i.e. ordering the Peloton from my couch on a Christmas morning. It has arrived. I've had it for eight days. I've been on it seven of those eight days. And it's helped me, as you'll notice here, to, to the watchers. That's not a glass of vino that I'm actually sipping on during uh, our, our show. It's helped me but, cut down my alcohol intake a little bit. And I'm getting more water, more Gatorade, and a little bit more regular fluids in my diet. So those two, th hand in hand, a little bit more physically active and uh, cutting down on my, my alcohol consumption. Let me tell you something, Weston. Uh, the Peloton's fantastic for hanging up clothes. You put, you can put so many hangers <laughs> on it, bro. I'm, I am telling you, man, it's, it's, it saves space. It's going to be a, a game changer for you, man. It really it, is. No secret that it is literally next to my washer, my dryer, and my, in my basement. Oh my so God. I have no doubt in, in short order. A, that's Peloton, what it'll be. a Peloton's better than a closet. I'll tell you right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any closet space in my house. You asked the question, what about you? A couple of things. Uh, I want to grow this We're Talking Football podcast uh, at a more exponential level uh, this year so I can give my two weeks notice uh, and become big time day. here. Uh, in addition, uh, 
I want to be more Zen. Okay. Want more, be more calm, uh, more peaceful, uh, while actually in, uh, reducing some intake of extracurricular activities. So that's going to be a challenge. Okay. Uh, so uh, that that's uh, that's more of uh, where I'm going for this year. It's funny because those extracurriculars usually do make people more Zen. Um, so to to find that. And speaking of being more Zen, um, I am doing some active recovery since I've put five days in a row on the Peloton. And tomorrow I'm actually going through the Peloton. I'm going to take my first yoga class as part of it and get a little bit of flexibility um, into my body and see how that goes. But uh, for me, it's a little bit more about the the mental element than it yeah. is the the flexibility and, and the strength thing. So namaste. Um, namaste. namaste. Uh, I just feel like I'm so glad you asked that question because, you know, to any new listener, like, at least they get some context around who we are and that, you know, like we're, so now, we're not only, we're not just celebrities. We're real people too, Lou. I know <laughs> behind this beautiful face. There's a heart and a soul. We're not, and not only can we talk about football, obviously we're getting into the health and wellness. Yes. We, we are uh, branching. Like, we are branching out. Part of the growth that we're talking football is going to be, we talk football and other shit too. We can just lump that into and our friends title. and friends. We want to talk to you about upside down pyramid uh, uh, scheme here. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, dude. Uh, we could go on all day. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Charging into the, the final week of the, the regular season. Lou, let's begin as we always do. We'll start with our our hometown takes. Um, one thing I, I want to call out, kind of similar to what we did last week. So uh, we'll quickly talk about how, how your Chargers fared against the Broncos last week. We'll talk about how the 49ers fared against the Texans. Let's forward look a little bit. Uh, talk about your up, upcoming matchup against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. I'll talk about ours against the L.A. Rams. And then we'll kind of proceed through. So go ahead, kick us off. Um, what'd you see this weekend? What'd you like? What you didn't like? Tell me all about it. Yeah, I'm not, I won't take too much time talking about this game because, to be honest with you, the game was fairly boring, and that's a good thing if you're if you're a fan and your team wins. So uh, when, when the game is just it goes exactly how you hoped and you know planned for it to go, and there was no excitement, that means you had a nice easy uh, easy Sunday. Main thing, Herbert, albeit he started off rusty. He did show some good decision-making and confidence against a team he struggled with early in the year. It shows progression, in my opinion, if you ask me. Now, it was important because defensive-minded coaches and defensive teams have been giving him fits all year. All right, I'm talking about Bill Belichick and the Patriots, Harbaugh and the Ravens. Earlier this year, like I said, Fangio and the Broncos and Zimmer and the Vikings all gave him issues discovering their uh, blitzes and their zones. And it was just refreshing showing that Herbert learned from uh, the first meeting. Well, I understand uh, the Broncos were, you know, COVID out uh, this past week and what have you, but Fangio is a mastermind when it comes to defense. He finds players that can play his scheme, and they're going to be tough regardless. So I, I do understand they were shorthanded, but it doesn't mean his scheme is that much easier to decipher when it comes to you know, a second, a second year uh, quarterback. So let's look at the recipe for success this past week. It was simple for one part, offensive line holding up their offensive line did good. And their starting right tackle storm Norton was out and Trey Pipkins, the guy who uh, spot started for Rashawn Slater against the chiefs had another good game. This is a That's former third round. Yeah. This is another former third round pick uh, that uh, when he got, when his name was selected in the third round, people were like, who, huh? So, uh, and, 
everyone will already put the bus label on him. I was one of them. I still think uh, he won't live up to those uh, lofty expectations of being a third-round pick. But he played pretty good. Uh, and it just shows that they have at least a little depth when it comes to the swing tackle position there. So that was uh, reassuring. Two-part running the ball. What did I say those last couple of weeks? The Chargers have to run the ball. I liked 30 to 34 times a game. Some people thought I was crazy because you're taking the ball out of Herbert's hand. I get it. You want the ball in Herbert's hand because, wow, the team looks flashy when it comes to their offensive schemes, you know, throwing the ball, you know, bombing it down the field. However, that's not sustainable. You can't, especially when you're playing against better defenses, they're going to find a way to slow you down and not give up those big plays. You don't believe me? Look what's going on with Patrick Mahomes. What's going on with Dak Prescott? Their offense was so ex explosive. Now teams are starting to figure them out or just slow them down a little bit. You need to be multidimensional in this game. Uh, and I feel like the Chargers are starting to find their identity as being a multidimensional team. Due to the fact they have Justin Jackson now being a, a, a running back too, they've been looking for a running back too to, to complement Eckler for all season. And it's good that Jackson's finally healthy and finally starting to ball out. But, yeah, it, it's important to, for this running game to get established. Just like I said last week, why, especially against the Broncos, why do you need the running game to be established? To move those two high safety looks, to move them down into the box, and look exactly what happened. The whole game, they're running the ball, running the ball, and then Herbert, bomb, Mike Williams, boom, touchdown. Yep. That is the recipe for success. And once again, to stick with this recipe kind of theme here, Three-part special teams. A kickoff return for a touchdown? The Chargers? Chargers? <laughs> I knew you were going nuts when Chargers? that happened. I knew it. <laughs> Keenan Allen in his career never saw a kickoff return. That's sad. Like, for no. a touchdown. Against so, him. I, never yeah, on, well, on his own team. <laughs> usually twice on Sundays against them. <laughs> but what did I say earlier this year? The acquisitions they made. Dustin Hopkins and Andre Roberts. How important they were. Not because they're superstars, because they make their special teams be god awful to mediocre, no. and that's huge. That is a huge jump, sure and is. they're actually ranked twelfth now from a special teams uh, point of view. So that's a huge jump from where they normally are the last three years, dead last, dead last, dead last. So um, good for. I'm really excited that they have a, a reliable kicker, a reliable kickoff returner. And it just adds a, it just basically takes a little pressure off the offense to always having to go, <clears throat> you know, like, you know, 80 plus yards every drive and, and what have you. Uh, but like I said, all in all, I just felt like it was good for the team to pick up Herbert. Herbert played good, efficient, but he didn't ball out. He didn't have to. He didn't, didn't have, have to. to. But this was this was important because when Herbert balls out. They usually have a chance to win. When Herbert doesn't put the team on his back, automatically they lose. Yeah. So this was a nice team win. And I say that because I'm also looking at the defensive side of the ball. They only allowed 83 rushing yards to one of the best rushing team duos, you know, in the NFL. Yep. Javante Williams, your boy, and uh, Melvin Gordon <laughs> as uh, as well. And I thought this was a great rebound this week because you stated last week they're going to run all over the Chargers after they let Aaron Foster just, you know, run buckshot on them. Uh, also, situational football. Broncos were 3 of 13 on third down and 1 and 4 on fourth down. The defense showed out, and it was Derwin James, who I think should – Really be considered for a comeback player of the year. I know you're 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 gonna pound the you know pound the table for your boy Nick Bosa. I get that. Uh, what's really being missed with Derwin 
you have to look at the film because, like I said, he literally plays five positions. This past weekend, he played uh, linebacker, edge, safety, both safety positions, and, and slot corner. Almost had two interceptions uh, and mm-hmm. sack too. I know the almost, but still, those game, those the pressures and the interceptions, they do affect the game and the mindset of a quarterback. So Derwin James balled out this past weekend. So that's pretty much all it for the good uh, aspect. Now, for the bad, <clears throat> I'm nitpicking here. I feel like they're, they were a little, in the beginning of the game, their energy was a little lackluster. Their body language just gave off that vibe, kind of like they did in Houston. Like, all right, we're better than this team. We're just, it's, we're going to win, and we'll, we'll just figure it out type stuff. And they just expected a win. So that's why I felt like the beginning of the game was a little uh, little slow for them, and they started got to a slow start. And I don't like seeing that. They're going to need to, you know, change that and get to a quick start this next uh this upcoming sunday so those are pretty much like i said i'm nitpicking there yeah. but uh, i i was really frustrated watching them in the first quarter because like i said uh just looked lethargic i and i get that um it's it's hard to find so here's what for me what it boiled down to right this game is exactly what i've been expecting from this team and what i think this team should be and has the ability to do with what they have on the offensive side of the ball and is to be well-balanced. Uh, I make no secret about it. I expected an entirely different outcome um, from this game. I expected a more competitive game. Um, I thought we both identified that this would be a difficult game for the Chargers just based on, you know, discussing at great length how the Broncos are built to stop teams like the Chargers and other teams in the AFC West that tend to have like high-flying offenses and rely on heaving the ball downfield. Um and it just looked differently. I mean, you you summed it all up, right? Like you ran the ball well, you kept Herbert upright and it allowed him to distribute and make, you know, smart decisions with the football in his hand. You're going to win nine out of 10 times. Oh, on top of the fact you held a very uh, efficient running game to uh, 83 yards rushing when we thought to win based on who Denver is, they were going to have to hand the ball off 30 to 35 times and, and rush for 150 and two touchdowns. And they, and they did none of that. And I'm not disagreeing with you on your take of Derwin James. I love Derwin. Um, yes, I will pound the table for Nick Bosa, but let's both come to reality right oh, now. Yeah. And after the last two weeks, it's Joe Burrow, right? Like we know Burrow is going to get it. So he's going to go to a quarterback. So it's going to be between him or Dak anyway. But what Burrow's done these last two weeks, like hard to, to ignore that. He's just getting hot at the right time when this is fresh in voters' minds. But I can't argue with it. Like they're a different defense when Derwin James is on the field. Just like like they're a different defense. They're so when, much faster. Yeah. When when Joey Bosa is on the field, right? Like mm-hmm. they they just are it, it, so much faster. He can take. He can neutralize. Let's call it number two, number three, number four threats in a passing game, right? Like he's not going out on the one and following them around the field. But he takes away your tight end. He can take away the back out of the backfield. He can come up and play the run. Like he's a difference maker, and and that was evident in this game. Um, so, so much to, to love when 33 is on the field. He still wears 33, right? He didn't go yeah, to a single yeah. digit. No, okay. yeah, still 33. So, all right. I, 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 I like you, I, I can't find anything bad. I didn't watch the game intently enough to like notice body language and things like that. You know, like I, I save that type of, I reserve that commentary for my own team who I'm literally judging every movement of every player at every <laughs> single second. Um, but I did immediately think of you when uh, Roberts returned that kickoff. I was just like, Lou's been talking about this. Like this is this is a difference, and not just this week. I mean, even the the one to open up the Kansas City game. You know that that was big, and 
we talked about like, hey, fourth down decisions, right? Like you get points there, you score there. Like that game looks different, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So uh, all bodes well, all at the right time. But nonetheless, they still have to win to get in. Or they can tie if Indianapolis and we'll talk loses. About, we'll we'll yeah. talk about that later. Don't all right, go. all right. That's cool. a nice little tease there, though. Okay, so you got the you got the Las Vegas Raiders this week in Las Vegas. Yes. Week four, you guys played. Uh, you beat up on them, twenty eight fourteen. For me, I'll give you my commentary first, and I'll let you run right into it. Let's do it. So this is tough for me, and it's it's tough for me. Here's what it is, and you and I talked about it offline. Like I I. We agree. I think every listener that we have would agree that the Chargers are easily the better football team. Yeah, our millions of listeners will easily, I guarantee at least, you know, 80% of those millions of listeners would say the Chargers are the better team, yes. Yeah, and, and I, I don't think you can dispute that, right? Uh, that we have millions of listeners, right? That and that they're a better <laughs> football team. But they're also, as you would coin it, and I don't want to steal your terminology because I'm sure you'll throw it in there, but like, can they prevent chargering you know and doing those sort of things and the chargers actually have evenly split the division so they are split with the other two division rivals so far this year with kansas city and with um denver at this point so lou here's what i i think the raiders will raider and the chargers will win this football game and you will be in the playoffs in 20 are we talking about our pickums already this early? Because I, I no, well, yes. All right, for this, all right, all right. Let me roll up the sleeves here. Actually, let me not. I don't want to ruin this shirt. I, I don't want to stretch <laughs> out the sleeves here. All right, so <clears throat> it's hard for me to believe that the Chargers won't charge her because I still have that sour taste in my mouth of that Texans game. Yeah. So hey, if that was like six <laughs> weeks ago, I'm like, nah, Chargers are gonna win. They're a different team now, and what have you. And you know what? I feel like this Ra this Raiders team is a different team. I mean, in a good way. Uh, first and foremost, Jacobs, was, uh, their running back, is healthy. Yeah. Josh Jacobs wasn't really healthy. He was banged up when they first played him. Their played well play last week, too. Well, he's been playing better these last four weeks. So that is something to obviously worry about. Uh, I know they don't have Henry Ruggs when they did in their first contest. Uh, uh, first contest. But here's something I feel like that you know that's going overlooked, and I guarantee I'm going to get laughed at especially from Charger fans, um, Gus Bradley, this defense. So start off hot, been atrocious the second half of the year, and I get that. But let's not forget what Gus Bradley did against the Ravens a couple of years back with the Charger when he's with the Chargers in the, in the playoffs. When I actually went to that game, it was at Baltimore. He implemented that uh, defensive back look and totally shut down Lamar Jackson. Every now and then, Gus Bradley changes from his vanilla cover three scheme to something completely different, whether he's blitz heavy or what have you. And I have this sneaking suspicion that he's going to implement some kind of defensive scheme that the chargers will not be prepared for. This is why I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting a little nervous when it comes to the Raiders. Uh, he's, he's shown this before and who better knows the chargers than someone who used to coach the defensive side of the ball the uh, for the LA Chargers and Gus Bradley. So this is a little worrisome that the fact that he's, I feel like he's cooking up something, you know, out of the ordinary and the Chargers on numerous times, Herbert has said, we weren't prepared for that. They didn't show that all year. So we weren't prepared for that. A la the, the, the Patriots, also the Ravens, stuff like that. So this is why I'm a little nervous going into this game. 
I won't give my pick, but that's why I have some trepidation and uh uh and also some hesitancy when it comes to oh the Chargers got this is the Raiders yeah but it's also the Chargers too though by the way yeah I just always the only thing that gives me trepidation is like in these game scenarios where both teams it's like winning in right like they they control their own destiny per se is like it's not a traditional football game all cards are on the table this is not week seven or week 12 right this is like the name of the game is always just get into the playoffs and you can be dangerous right so like does gus go back and watch the tape of belichick and zimmer and fangio from earlier in the season and devise some scheme based off of some of those things that they did well um to throw herbert off yeah that's all likely that's that's all likely but when i look at the teams on paper you know my gut just tells me that the LA Chargers are a better football team. And one thing I, I think they have in their favor is Brandon Staley's post-game rant that they showed on NFL Network that I saw actually this morning where um, he talked about, guys, every game since week one is a playoff game, right? I will well, have this locker room believe in this. And if they're finally believing, you know what I mean? Like it's just sometimes Listen, you say the right thing at the wrong at the right time. Listen, that, that that that's your mentality there. Every every game that's is, my is a that's must my win. Guy. It's a must win. Week right. one preseason game. We have to win this preseason game to show that we are for real. You only get twenty <laughs> games, including the preseason. You got to go out there. This ain't the NBA. This ain't the NHL. This certainly is not the major leagues where you get eighty to one hundred and sixty games to do your thing. Right? Like, what is the what is the NFL told us that you want to get into the playoffs? You got to win ten games. Right? Yeah. So you got to win. You just gotta win. There's there's no there's no way around it. Um. All right. So you're speaking, speaking you, of winning. Yeah. Your team uh, had a nice impressive victory against yep. uh, the Houston Texans. So so we had the Houston Texans. Uh, what was the talk leading into the week? Trey Lance's second career NFL start. Uh, Jimmy being injured with the UCL in his thumb. What I saw early and what everybody saw early, Lou, is is exactly what. I expected and exactly what I actually predicted when we were on Jesse's show earlier last week that you should expect Trey Lance to struggle early in his second career NFL start. Actually, if you go back and compare his second career NFL start versus all the other rookies second start this year, his is light years beyond what they were from a performance perspective. But that's not where I'm, I'm taking this. Here's the reality. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm reiterating myself. Trey Lance has not played a lot of football. Forget that he's a rookie. He just hasn't played a lot of football period with a year off in between. And not, he hasn't thrown a lot of passes, not just at the NFL, but in college as well. So you have to take all those things into consideration. What was very evident to me in this game, especially with the, the how ugly the first half was for both football teams, by the yeah. way, is we witnessed a feeling out process between Trey and Kyle. Like, what calls work? How will there's not a lot of film on Trey? So how are defenses going to devise schemes and attack against him versus what they would do if Jimmy was in? You know, like you like all teams, you know what you're getting from Jimmy. If you could take away the middle of the field, you take away the passing attack. Right. Like so. But you don't know what Trey brings because there's not a lot out there. And Kyle doesn't know what he's comfortable with and what he's physically able to do well in a game scenario just yet. 
that's why I think what you saw was a very ugly game early, especially offense. When I say ugly, that's a compliment to what our defense was doing, right? In terms of, you know, the only points the, the Texans scored um, early in this football game was off of a Trey Lance interception, right? And I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about that in a second too. Up until the literally the last three minutes of the first half, there was like literally it was three and outs, a first down here, a first down there, punting the ball, whatever. <clears throat> Lance threw that pick. They 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 came down. What I hate about that pick that Lance threw is like the uneducated fan will sit there and tell you and call out that like Debo's wide open on the backside of that throw for a touchdown, which is true, but he's literally the fourth read in that progression right and a and a second start rookie quarterback is not making it to the fourth read more often than not defensive players know as well where the play is focused and there's always a fourth read wide open the the quarterback just literally a does not have enough time b the the flow of the game doesn't allow you to often get to that the people who get to that fourth read are fucking tom brady aaron Rodgers. Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Mitch, Mitch Trubisky, yeah. Mitch, yeah, like you can't again, Hall of Fame quarterbacks, you know, but you can't you can't lump a rookie into that, right? Like you you just can't. Um can I talk to you actually quick quick question. Yeah, 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 yeah. When watching uh, uh Lance play, did you get like a feel that like Shanahan was cutting the field in half and just trying to make him read uh like just from half of a field if you you know what I'm saying? You know what yes. I'm saying? Yeah, I know exactly what you're asking, and and the answer is yes. Okay. And as a rookie, he wasn't deviating from that. Here's another thing that was really obvious if you're watching literally every play. Everybody knows what the terminology can means, right? When So when the, the quarterback gets under center, most offenses call two plays at a time. Usually it's a run and a pass. Mm-hmm. And based on what's called in the huddle, the quarterback will get up, and whether it's Omaha or can or what, some other cadence means – we're trashing the first play. We're going to the second play. That's what we're doing, right? The opposite of what was called. What I noticed in the entire first half is Trey never once got to the line of scrimmage and can. Can's our call. Like, we we say can. We don't say Omaha or anything like that. Never once changed the play. So I think Kyle limited the playbook and controlled the field. But what was telling to me was the two-minute drill. We get the ball back with like, I don't even know what it is, like a minute 15, something like that. Eight out of 10 times, Kyle's run that ball out. We're going into the half and saying seven, nothing lead. But he let the kid play and he dialed up some good plays and he trusted Trey and Trey made a couple nice throws there. And you got three points before the half and you got the ball back in the second half. So to me, that minute and 15 of game time helped Trey's confidence. It helped his maturation process. And you're talking about a very small window in that game. And then we come out in the second half, and it just looked entirely different. Like, Trey and Kyle found a rhythm. They established a running game, and then the offense took off. One thing that I don't often turn to Chris Sims for advice, but I listen to him because I know he's Kyle's boy, right? Like, I know they talk a lot. And one thing that he says is really eye-opening, that Kyle's play-calling style is very reactionary. He wants to see – so the – the intention of his first 15 is not to draw up home runs. Like a lot of coaches first 15 is like, we're going to run these regardless of what your defense is. He does it to understand how you're going to react to his thing in his scenarios. And then he remembers that. And that's how he dials it up. Right. So he needed to see how they were going to scheme against Trey before he got into his bag and got comfortable calling plays that Trey could have success with. And I think you saw more of that 
You still think he does half. that with Jimmy G, though? You, th- you think that's the philosophy? Not as much. Um, I, I, I do, I do, right? I think even so with Jimmy, I think that he's more confident in what like the defenses are going to try to do to Jimmy. But I think he mixes, he mixes it up, right? Like in the first, you'll never see in the first same first fifteen. The plays look similar, but they're out of different formations, different motions, different things. And I think he wants to see how they react. You right? see, that's interesting. That's interesting because uh, real quick, don't mean to cut you off, but. I remember seeing a segment with uh, Sean Payton and Drew Brees and basically they're sitting at a table and how they came up with their first. I know this is Drew Brees and Sean Payton, so I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So but how they came up with the, the, their first script of 15 plays is like, Drew, what do you want to do? Like, it's like, exactly. it's, more, it's more like not like reactionary. So this is more an interesting take that like a coach would be reactionary as opposed to like whatever Drew just felt comfortable with plays Drew, like the 15 favorite plays that Drew loves or what have you, we'll just start and put them, you know, and, and build upon them. And we'll, But this is an interesting take that uh, Kyle Shannon uh, I, uh, took. I think he, and what I am gathering from this, is he's less aggressive in his first 15, right? Like it's not, I agree, most strategy, in high school when we, you know, I, I talk all the time about how my high school football coach is an NFL coach right now. Like he was an elite. High, our offense was light years beyond other people. We came out with a scripted first 15. Every one of them was designed to be a home run. Flea flickers in the first 15, right? Like it's designed to catch the defense on their heels and score points like out of the gate. I think Kyle's philosophy is just a little bit different. I think there's a couple of those mixed in there to catch somebody, but it's he's observing and saying, how do they react? I've run this play. I've put this play on film before, but before it was out of a a trips bunch to the left. Right now it's four wide, but it's the same play and it's the same concept. But I just want to see how you're going to react to this alignment because I'm going to call this play later in the game. And the routes are going to be designed off how you react to it now. And you saw a lot of that in this game. Similar formations, different pattern, pattern concepts. And these plays were were wide open. So let me talk a little bit about that, right? So okay. like one of the things that stood out to me in Trey is again he struggled, and, and I expected him to struggle. And even in the highlights, there's struggle. He's got to work on his footwork. He's got to work on his eye placement and location, and not tipping off his throws to the defenders. Like these guys are smart. Like they're all over the field. But he made some very impressive throws in this game, and three of them stick out to me. Some First, throws, some throws that by the way I don't think Jimmy could have made. 100% can't make. And the first one is exactly one that I'm going to talk about. Mm-hmm. So the first was an obvious naked boot that should have yep. nine out of 10 times hits Kittle in the flat, right? Like, and Jimmy gets that out quick. That's what he does. Jimmy is timing and rhythm based, and he gets the ball out quicker than most quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, it's just that's when, when he's successful, that ball is out in like two seconds, like flat, right? Jimmy would have, Kittle was arguably covered. Um, I think, Trey could have turned a little bit quicker and dumped it to him. Jimmy would have been able to do that, or he just would have thrown it at Kittle's feet. Incomplete. You live to see another day. What Trey did on this play, and I'm sure you've seen the highlight, is he literally turns those hips, pumps, gets the defender in the air, and throws a fucking dart 15 yards out to Sherfield for the first down. Jimmy cannot make that throw. I would argue that a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL can't make that throw with that arm strength. So to me, that was like, wow there's that natural ability that this team probably fell in love with because that's not taught. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's God given. Um, but you just said like, Jimmy can't make that throw the second. And it's probably the most obvious was just the bomb to Debo off the yep. play action. What was super impressive about this is a ball placement. He didn't just heave it downfield 
and lead Debo into the defensive back who was kind of like shadowing over top of him. He flattened it out across so that Debo can just continue across the field. He held it long enough to bait the corner who dropped in third, like was in cover three and dropped in sport. You see the corner in film, dude, in all 22, pointing it out, like seeing the play and calling it out and coming over to help. And he just overran the support because Trey just held it. And like, I was like, Debo's going to get open because I have an entire half of a field to throw that ball to. And he threw that 45 yards in the air, which is not impressive for an NFL quarterback across the field. That's impressive for an NFL quarterback on a fucking dart. Like that ball barely had any trajectory, right? Like any arc to it, touchdown, right? So, so to me, I was like, again, wow, that's impressive. That's a, that's a, a nice throw. And the final one for me, there was really four. The one that was to Kittle at the end of the game, like that was a dart between people, put it where only his receiver could get it. And you know what? Kittle made a hell of a catch, right? Like, but the final one for me was uh, an, inc- an incomplete pass, actually, that went to Brandon Ayuk in the end zone outside the numbers where he put that touch and f- and that touch on it just over the defender's outstretched hands. Um, you could have easily called PI on this. They didn't like the guy was literally holding Ayuk's left arm, like in between his own arm. And Ayuk had to go up with one hand and still almost made the catch in the end zone. You know, on that play, putting in a perfect spot, you're either getting PI and that ball's on the one. And if it's not PI, a good wide receiver is probably going to come down with that. And it's a touchdown. And again, another throw. Jimmy can't make that throw. Jimmy doesn't attempt that throw. Jimmy doesn't throw outside the numbers. It's a, it's a rare occasion. So, the, what I I find from this is just Trey has really impressive arm talent. He's very yeah. he's very elusive in the pocket, and when he's elusive in the pocket, he's looking downfield. Still, he wants to throw. He wants to throw the deep ball. He doesn't want to just take off. Um, I haven't even really seen him just take off yet. Um, I do have some knocks on his running. We can get into that another time. I think he still thinks he's in college and he can like lower a shoulder for people. Yeah. Or even like run away from line linebackers who run four fours and safeties who run like four threes. Like that's a maturation process. He'll learn that. Like there was a fourth down that we went for like, dude, he's got to turn up. Like he's just got to stop on the dime on a read option and just get up fields. You only have two yards, but he's trying to outrun a safety to the end. And he's not going to do that. He's a four, six, four, seven guy. He's not a four, four, you know, guy. Um, but he'll learn that. And he's got the, the talent to do that. But here's, to me, the biggest takeaway from this game. The offense just looks different with Trey versus Jimmy. And I'm not even going to sit here and say one's better than the other. It's just different, you know? Like, with Jimmy, everything's over the middle. It's short passing game. It's all based off of timing. Everything that I've been saying leading into this with quick quick releases. Trey holds the ball. He improvises a little bit more. He's much more elusive in the pocket, which does open up the downfield passing game. Kyle's going to have to adjust to that, right? Like he's going to have to adjust to that, and he hasn't had to adjust to that for a while. But when you go back and look at where Kyle's been the most successful in his offense, it's when he's had (laughs) Atlanta, even in Houston when he was an OC, even in Washington under Cousins and even like RG3 those quarterbacks were able to put the ball downfield or at least attempt to and have big plays. So what do you do? Everything that you just talked about with the Chargers, I'm going to hand the ball off 30 to 35 times a game. That's always going to be a staple of a Shanahan offense. But once you cheat and once you suck up, my I, You'll make I will bomb over top and I'm going to make you pay for it. Yeah. And and 
up until now in San Francisco, he hasn't had a quarterback, in my opinion, that is capable of of doing that. So I know this was all about the Trey Lance thing. I do want to continue to applaud the defense with who we have, especially on the corners. Um, you know, D'Amico's doing a hell of a job. Th- this game was, was no different. Um, we've seen progression from the rookie, Ambry Thomas. He's getting literally yeah. better and better every week. He actually looks like the best corner on the field right now. Josh Norman getting benched in the middle of the game. Um, but what I'm going to talk about here in, in a second when I talk about the Rams game, though, is like our entire defensive backfield is on fucking COVID list right now. So I, I believe they're all vaccinated. I believe they have five days to get back, um, and they should all have that time so long as they're asymptomatic and whatever the case might be. But you don't know how – like we don't know how it's affecting them and how they'll, they'll play from coming back. I'm hoping they're all asymptomatic. Like they're not available to the media when you're on the COVID list, so we don't know a, a ton about that. But – this is not the week that we need that to happen. <laughs> so. well, yeah, I, I wasn't really uh, shocked or uh, shocked at what Lance did this past weekend. I actually almost called out his stat line numerous times from a fancy standpoint and from a preview standpoint. You were as I was, balls on accurate as you could possibly be. Right, I, and I don't even like follow you said two fifty. Two touchdowns. 250 a, to 275, 250, uh, two touchdowns, two turnovers. Two turnovers. He did 249, two touchdowns, one turnover. That's pretty accurate. That's pretty bit. damn good, right? Yeah. But yeah. that's what I expected. We talked, you know, during the draft process that Lance had to be the guy. That he he was the guy for the Niners. For the mere fact, I don't think it's going to happen this year, to be honest with you, Weston. But I feel like next year, this offense is going to look completely different. It's going to be transform, uh, transformed. I don't think Shanahan has the time, really, to – really uh molded he's in a playoff chase you know like and he's and the pressure's on him even though he's got that that contract extension and he's not going anywhere like he's a prideful man he knows what is he knows what his win-loss record is at at this team and the town he has around him he's trying to get into the goddamn playoffs he's trying to win fucking football games and i make no bones about it shit i i can even argue that going into this rams game if jimmy is held like can grip a football, he probably gives us a better shot to win against the Rams than Trey Lance does just to ba- based on the way that Kyle – because I, I, finish your thought because I'm going to talk about this in a second. So finish your thought. Yeah, so, yeah, real quick. I, I I was just basically alluding to the fact that I think that next year your offense is going to look completely different. I fully expect – because believe it or not, from a, from a number standpoint, Weston, your offense is pretty damn efficient because Very. of the running game. Yeah. From the running game and the guys with the yards after the catch and every uh, Kittle, Ayuk, and uh, Samuel, they make it more efficient. They they hide the warts of Jimmy G. But next year, I'll you know save this clip, mark it, pin it, whatever you want to do. Your offense after a whole off season will be more, way more explosive. Oh, yeah. It'll be completely transformed. It'll be complete different schemes and the strategies in that offense than what you currently have now because what they're right now they're trying to do, uh, and it's going to sound like a backhanded compliment, but they're basically trying to use like scotch tape to fix to like just mold the fact you know hey just try to try to win the game as opposed to build sustainable a long term offensive scheme. No, nope. I I agree I agree and I agree that Kyle doesn't have the time, um, but. When the smoke clears and it's more and more evident, especially like coming off of that game, you can't sit here and tell me Kyle's not like slightly jazzed about what he could get cooking 
for this guy, but they, they have to establish rapport with one another, you mm-hmm. know, like he, you made the point like in the first half and for the majority of the game, the field is cut in half. It's, it's not even close to Kyle's entire playbook with Jimmy. You do get the entire playbook. You get the entire playbook. I, in whether Kyle dials up some of the plays or not based on scenarios and confidence in the quarterback is an entirely different thing, but everything's on the table because the quarterback knows the offense. But listen, that's got, that can take a while. Just, it just came out, not to just came out, but like uh, Daniel Popper who covers the LA chargers. And I hate to, you know, kind of sock a Homer right now and bring it back to the chargers. But I feel like this is, this is applicable for uh, what we're talking about right now that Justin Herbert literally said his, his rookie year with Anthony Lynn, uh, and their offensive coordinator, that's exactly what they did. They cut the field in half for him to make it easier. Uh, and then if it wasn't available like on the left-hand side of the field, then he uses his athletic ability, you know, to, and try to make progressions, right? The difference for this year, year two. So that's what year two will be looking for Trey Lance. So realistically, uh, year two will probably be towards the end of next year. Yep. They threw the whole playbook at uh, – this year they threw the whole playbook at Justin Herbert. He said he felt like he was drowning. Just came out that he said, like, I – did not understand it, what have you. But you have a quarterback saying that and he has like 35 touchdowns and said he felt like he was drowning. And super intelligent. Like, yeah, he's, so, not, he's not a dummy. So is, Trey, you know? so is Trey Lance. So I yes. fully expect that your offense, you know, is going to go over. It's going to be completely transformed uh, by the uh, mid to end of next year. Yeah. And I, honestly, I can't wait for it. But right now, let's handle business, right? So yep. we got the Rams this week. It's winning. Baby in. brother. You got baby brother. I, I don't <laughs> use those words. I talk that shit during the season, week of, right? I'm as, you know, I, I could, I could <laughs> shit Cole and pull out a diamond or whatever that quote is right now. I'm so nervous. Um, Listen, we control our destiny, winning in, right? Go win. Um, There's, there's ways we can get in with a little bit of help, but I don't like that scenario. I don't think it plays out well for us. Um, this is a road game in L.A. I know we've beaten them the last five times, but this game's different. You got OBJ, who's actually more involved in this offense, right? Like not what it looked like the first time we played each other, where it was literally his first game there and he was there for a couple days. They might get Cam Akers back. I expect Cam coming off an Achilles to be on a pitch count fully. They're in the playoffs. They want him for the playoffs. So it's still Sony Michelle's backfield. But this Rams team is just different. They've won five straight. I know Stafford has struggled um along the way but their defense and running game kind of a bailed them out like last week against baltimore is a, is a prime example of that and even our first win this season against them like we just capitalized on stafford's mistakes early right like we got up on them 14 nothing early and and the, yes they never came back and, and never recovered from that but that game just felt different like it wasn't a, a traditional like back and forth like it just got away from them early and we actually did what we were supposed to do and capitalize on in a game that I thought we never, by the way, never had a chance to, to win. I think Jason and I on our fantasy show joked about how, like the only way we win this game is if the Rams don't show up to the fucking stadium yeah. and their planes <laughs> delayed, but there was, but here's the question. Same question as last week. Who's going to be the quarterback is it Jimmy or is it, is it Trey? Kyle I, already I, came. I, I'm going to tell you who it is going to be. It's going to be Trey. Um, 100%, 100%. So Kyle came out today and said, Stop asking me. I'm not telling anybody who's starting at quarterback until Sunday. Like, so he's like told reporters, stop asking Grant Cohn, you know, the, the 49ers team members, they all hate him. His favorite beat writer was like, Jimmy, how's it feel throwing the football with a torn UCLA? And Jimmy came out and said, literally it fucking hurts. So that's a scary proposition, right? Like you can't have this guy going in, but Eric Davis, we all know who Eric Davis is, right? Like former, 
Super Bowl winner for the 49ers, uh, you know, an all, former all pro and, and a pro ball cornerback uh, across the league. He tweets and covers the 49ers as well. And he made a, a pretty strong, uh, I think, a similar point that I want to make. And it's if Jimmy's 80 to 85 percent, I still think he gives in this game, in this scenario, a better shot than Trey because you can't start against the Rams the way you started against the Texans, right? Like you can't, they, they will, they will make you pay for that. And then you, you're going to ask Trey to maybe come in and like save the day. And that's like, just not going to happen. Right. Cause you don't have everything I talked about a full half of seeing how the defense reacts to your offense. But I do believe it will be Trey starting because I just don't think Jimmy's going to get to that 75, 80% health status when he's telling you on a Wednesday that it fucking hurts to throw a football. Well, newsflash for you, dude. Every time we've beat the Rams, I know the formula is run the football, but we've thrown the ball 30 plus times in every one of those games. Like go back, check. I think maybe the, the last one, it was like 20 something times, right? But Jimmy was completing like completely like 75% of his passes. Yeah. Is he going to do that if he can't grip the football? So I know I say this all the time. Go ahead. Yeah, no, uh, real quick. I disagree with Kyle Shanahan's philosophy here. I feel like it's a, it's a known fact that Trey Lance is going to start the game, right? Yeah, and, teams and, have doctors too. They know right. what the injury is. And, and Wesson, let me tell you something. I am not a doctor. However, <laughs> I did stay at a Holiday Inn. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, all that being said, there's no way that Jimmy G is going to be 80 to 85% ready you, you know, to, to play this weekend. I, I follow Pro Football Doc and uh, – he helps me try to understand like the injuries and what have you, what's going on. He's on Sirius XM uh, radio of NFL. Uh, he has his own website and what have you. Helps me with fancy points, helps me just understanding injuries. Like I said, ain't happening. Ain't going to play. He, he, he references other, you know, uh, injuries similar to this and like the time frame, what have you. And guess what? He's a retired doctor. You don't think the, the other team, you don't think the Rams have a team doctor knowing about no. the UCL, you know, the sprained UCL, how how bad it is and what have you. What I would say though, you start Trey Lance, and then you know, if Lance struggles, maybe you know, shoot a little uh, you know, a little liquid courage into uh Jimmy G's thumb and see if he can play hero ball if you need him for a spark, which would be good. And let me tell you why. The Ravens, yes, they have Lamar Jackson, they have someone that's comparable behind Tyler Huntley. So the offense doesn't change too much. However, think about effect from a defense standpoint. You have a mobile quarterback. Big totally different game plan. Yep. Exactly. So this will throw them off their other yep. uh, uh, the Rams off off kilter here when it comes to from a defensive standpoint. That would be my philosophy. Now, if teams are looking to hire coaching or assistance, I am well available. So uh, looking you know, to put your two weeks in. You're yeah, looking yeah. to put your two weeks in. Bro. <laughs> Me too, so, dude. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. All be yeah. All being said, uh, it's going to be Trey Lance, and uh, yeah, I, I I think it is too. Um, but I I will not back off my statement that I do think a healthy Jimmy probably gives us a better shot. In but he's not. Particular game. he's not healthy. But he's not healthy. Yes, I agree. What did I say before? Yeah, if my aunt had a penis, she'd be my uncle. <laughs> right? It's but she doesn't. Like, yeah. So so it's not gonna happen, you know. So You're let's, right. let's 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 throw that yeah. out. So out. here's the obvious statement of the day, right? Like we know what the winning formula is to beat the Rams. It's run the ball between the tackles, don't turn the ball over, and defensively, you're just gonna have to make two or three big stops, right? Like Two or three three and outs or two and three, hold them to a field goal versus getting in the end zone. 
Um, what makes me nervous, most nervous about this is, as I mentioned before, having the entire defensive backfield basically on the COVID uh, reserve list right now. Kwan Williams being one of those who we've talked about multiple times, being one of the best slot corners in the league. And then Jimmy Ward being the other who had a monster game against the Rams earlier this season. And now Ambry Thomas. Um, yes, we're getting Emmanuel Mosley back, but if you can get these guys off the list and they're not like that have any adverse effects, getting Emmanuel Mosley back out there at corner versus um, Josh Norman, having Ambry Thomas, um, you know, at the other corner, having your slot, having Tart and Jimmy Ward, uh, that makes things look a little bit better, especially with some other reinforcements on the, on the D-line and Dre Greenlaw coming back. Um, those things help. But here's the reality. It's tough sledding to beat the L.A. Rams six times in a row and Sean McVay six, time, six times in a row. Like, it's not seven out of ten. It's not eight out of ten. Yep, 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 six yep. times in a row. Like, that's a difficult task, dude. Yeah, yeah. you got to think about it. It's like that. But that um, being said, go Falcons. <laughs> Like I said, it's like the it's like that roulette. You know, you put everything on, you know, black. You know, all the time, all the time. It's going to turn up red one day, one time. So, but yeah. it has to, dude. The NFL is the is the it's the law of averages. You know. All right, all right. So let's get out of this. Obviously, we're both freaking out about our games, but let's go in and dive a little deeper and talk about you know some of our overreactions and what you might be freaking about heading into the final week of the season. Forewarning. I have three. I probably only want to talk about two. We ran way longer on the, that opening segment than we probably thought we were going to when we were talking offline. I was like, dude, I have like five minutes. You're like, I have like three minutes, and here we are 50 minutes. Into the, yeah. the so um, I'm looking to cover two, but you go ahead. All right. First and foremost, Weston, we've done an awful job this year of giving the Eagles some some props, some respect. I have them. They're the one I didn't want to talk about, but I have them. On All my right. Mind. So let me uh, crack my knuckles. And, all right. Let's in go. In the beginning of this year, fans were freaking out. They were destroying – the Eagles fans were freaking out, destroying their team. Their coach wasn't shit. Nick Sirianni was saying some stupid-ass stuff, like really stupid stuff. Grow um, the roots. Yeah. <laughs> Hertz was awful. They never ran the ball at all. And frankly, I don't blame the Eagles fans. You know, usually they're nice people. Uh, and by nice people, I mean awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, – they start off the year two and five in the first seven games, but boy, did they really reinvent themselves and turn the corner these last nine games They're seven to two. Now I granted some of those wins came against some questionable, you know, opponents, the lions, the Broncos, the giants, the jets, the Washington football team twice, but nonetheless, they still transformed a team mid year with a first time head coach, a first time full-time starting quarterback and just learning on the fly. And now they're one of the best rushing teams in the NFL. So way to go for for someone, you know, for a team and a rookie coach and a young signal call to really reinvent themselves on the fly and figure I'll, this I'll, out. Dude, I you couldn't have, I honestly couldn't have said it any better. Um, beautiful, it, right? It's beautiful. It was, right? it was so poetic. It felt like a haiku the way you even were even, me. even me calling Eagles fans awful. <laughs> yeah, and they they appreciate it. Trust me, right? Like they make no bones uh, about it. Um I mean, they are literally the premier rushing attack in the NFL right now, not just one of the best. Like, they are statistically. And I know there are Eagle fans sitting in their living room right now because they have clinched a playoff spot. They get to play worry-free football against a game that in a, in a game they're probably going to lose, honestly, against Dallas Cowboys on Saturday night. 
but they're sitting there saying eating their eating their hoagies, drinking their pop. Yep, <laughs> saying fly eagles, fly. No, no, you're on the road to victory. Weston, this is how out of touch you are, Boomer. It's no longer fly eagles, fly. It's run eagles, run. Yeah, <laughs> run eagles, run. Bro, I hate that song more than you can ever imagine. Um, <laughs> I have a an uncle-in-law, if you want to call him that, and they're all South Jersey guys, and they're big Philadelphia Eagle fans, and he just, I mean, the, the shit talking that goes on throughout the year is unbelievable. All right, so if you only can hear one song for the rest of your life, it's the Fly Eagles Fly or uh, Call Me Maybe. Which song it would it be? <laughs> it's actually... I'm just an island boy. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, I cringe hearing that. All right, well, who I would say, crazy? call me maybe. Honestly, okay. honestly, All right. All um, right. so I'm freaking out over that uh, that little tidbit right there. But what are you freaking out about? I can't believe I'm freaking out that I just said quoted. I'm an island boy. Uh, I'm freaking out on the Tennessee Titans right now. Uh, if Lou, if I told you that Derrick Henry went down for the season week nine this year, where would you think this Titans team would have ended up? Maybe just barely, possibly a playoff team. Yeah. Especially considering like their big time free agent acquisitions like Bud Dupree and Julio Jones have spent more time injured than they have on the field. AJ Brown, your second best offensive weapon, has missed an extended stretch of games in the middle of this year. And and the prominent portion of that stretch that he missed, it was while Derrick Henry was out, right? It wasn't like they had one one hand wash in the other. And the Titans, but here we are. We're heading into the final week of the season, and the Titans actually currently own the first round bye in the playoffs in the a- in the AFC as the well, number want, one seed. Want to why? They have a top ten quarterback in the league. Stop that! I'm not looking so stupid though by saying that now. You're not but, looking so stupid, but you know you now know the the. I'm just looking the stupid. errors in your hold way. On, hold on, hold on. I'm just looking stupid, not so stupid. Yeah, it's just, just yeah. The so My, mildly slow is what My, you're yeah. looking in comparison, but you know, they just, all they have to do is beat the Texans this weekend on the road and they hold that spot. There's no way they, they lose that spot unless they lose the game. And Oh, by the way, the cherry on top is that they're about to open the window for Derrick Henry to come back just in time for the playoffs. So how about a first round by giving another week for your now fresh rested most dominant running back in the league to come back like return of the king dude this is this is not just shocking where they are this is insanely shocking and Vrabel has his guys believing they keep dude that you get derrick henry back like let's let's go back a few years over a few years look at these games that they just didn't close out against like the Chiefs, against the Ravens in the playoffs, where they were up like 21 points, 27 points, 24 points, like whatever it was, and they couldn't close those games out. I feel like this is a different football team. Like they might be able to close those games out. Um, and if they do, they're really, really dangerous. And I don't look at the Tennessee Titans after having played them on a Thursday night and what we should have done to them, been like they're a number one seed. But yet here we are. Like they are the number one seed in the AFC. Well, uh, I think what you're missing here is normally when the Titans are in the uh, are playoff bound, King Henry has like you know almost 400 touches, you know, already under yeah. his belt, right? Guess what? This injury could have been a blessing in disguise. Fresh legs, uh, as long as he's healthy. Fresh legs, uh, probably the lowest amount of touches in the last two three years that he's had. So he will be 
they will be able to ride his ass uh, come, you know, every Sunday during the playoffs, giving offenses, I mean, def- opposing defenses big, some big fits. Yeah, but this is exactly how we predicted it, Weston. If you listen to our segments earlier in the year, but who stopped the Titans? Look at their schedule. It's exactly how we predicted it. Pat ourselves on the back. And I'm being 100% facetious right now. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I call this week one. Henry goes down, I, you know, goes West, down West, in week West, nine. You said two things in week one. It was a must-win game for the 49ers. <laughs> and that uh, that the Titans will uh, get the uh, That might be the one week that I probably didn't say because yeah. we were, I guess, the Detroit Lions where I felt yeah. pretty confident we were going to be all right. So yeah. do you got another one you're freaking out I, about? I do, I do. Uh, not in a positive way. Cleveland Browns. Another one that I have. So Ooh, let's, I'm just let's, let's go off each other. Let's go off each other on this one. Okay, you got, ready? You yeah. Guess, guess what, Cleveland? You don't have your quarterback any. You don't have a franchise quarterback anymore. Baker Mayfield is not the answer. He's regressed over the last two years. Doesn't look like a fit for this Browns offense, which is kind of hard because they have a great offensive line, great running game. They have some good tight ends. Shockingly, he can't be successful in this type of scheme. He's had his lowest uh, throwing output this year with three, a little over 3,000 yards. He only has 17 throwing touchdowns this year as well. That's the lowest of his career in any given year. His second lowest completions percentage this year as well, 60.5%. So you're going to say, all right, he had a bad year. He'll bounce back, right? No, we've been seeing this during his first four years uh, with Cleveland. He has 56 interceptions in his four-year career with Cleveland. That's the most of any quarterback since 2018. It's not just this year that he's playing bad. His career completion percentage is 61.6%. He has never hit the 4,000 threshold uh, mark when it comes to throwing uh, throwing yards. I kind of think we owe Odell Beckham Sr., not only an apology, but maybe even a scouting job because he's damn right when it comes to uh, Baker Mayfield. So I want Baker Mayfield to be good. I do too. I, I, I love his NFL commercials and I don't want them to go away. Uh, that is my sole reason for wanting him to be good. I didn't like him coming out. Um, I just felt that like he didn't fit the build as like a number one quarter, you know, like the six five monster stature guy with crazy arm. Like I know he was a really good college quarterback, but he's also not Kyler Murray, like elusive like that. Um, But I didn't expect this either. Right. I just thought he was maybe like not worthy of the number one overall pick. Here's a funny stat for you. What week did Jameis Winston go out for the year? Was it eight? They have the same amount of touchdown passes. That's crazy. Yeah. And I think Baker's missed what one week. Um, this is by the way, this is the worst possible timing for him and the Cleveland Browns. Him because he's not gonna get the bag, yep. And then the Browns, what do they do? Because they can kind of win with him, kind of. If, if the defense, if all things out. go right, yeah. this is Jimmy this G is, saga, right? Like everything's got to go right around him, exactly. So, what do you so what do you do here if you're Cleveland? Uh, do you try to be aggressive and trade for one of the quarterbacks in the offseason? Do you, do you franchise tag him and, and kind of try to figure things out on the fly? This is awful for the city of Cleveland and their fans because I said it before, I love the changing of the guard. You get tired of seeing the Patriots win all the time. You get tired of seeing the Steelers. I want the Chargers. I want the Bengals. I want the Browns. I want these new and upcoming teams to really flourish and give some, you know, some more excitement for different fan bases. Uh, so I want the Browns to be good, but I don't know what, I think this is this is the worst possible time for Baker Mayfield to realize yeah he's not the quarterback for them. 
I agree. You and I applauded the the Browns for what they did in the offseason too, right? Because we didn't think and the offense was the problem. We thought your defense is good. They went and got the help they needed on defense. Here's what's even for me a little bit more alarming than just Baker is yes, I know statistically this running game finished it will finish the season top five or six, right? Like, which is still super impressive. But like we're used to them being like the number one rushing attack, right? Like yeah, between but, Hunt, yeah, but, but hold on, Hunt didn't play that much. Chubb but, was in and out of games. But my problem that they had is it was done not consistently. It was done like this. They go like even though they're finishing where they are, they'd have two hundred, they'd have seventy, they'd have yeah. one eighty, they'd have sixty. And I know Hunt out, but listen. Their offense, was mangled. Because, Their offense were mangled. Offensive line was mangled. But, for like but three so weeks. riddle me this then, dude. Why in the final, in that game against Pittsburgh, a game they had to win, right? Must win game. Like, why, like, dude, you have Peyton Manning screaming about it during his broadcast of it. Like, why is Nick Chubb not on the field? Like, well, they want, they didn't want to take the attention away from Big Ben. Uh, yeah, I guess so. They're doing the city of Pittsburgh a favor. Yeah. Uh, well, they didn't do me any fucking favors in our pick them, so fuck them. By the uh, way, uh, by the way, I hope there's no young listeners here because that's Weston's seventh f bomb. <laughs> I'm heated, dude. I've been very good throughout the entire course of the year. I'm not just, this show, though. <laughs> no, not this show. Like I'm, I'm letting it all out there. I want people to feel us, you know. Yeah. All right, so I had them too. Um, I just thought that like. Just, they were the sexy pick in the offseason to make a run and to do a lot of things, and they're going to finish dead last in the AFC North while three, all three teams above them are biding for playoff contention. Even the Baltimore Ravens, who have lost five straight, are still eligible. Yes, they need to win and need a ton of help, but they're not mathematically eliminated like the Cleveland Browns are. Um, but you know, I think what's even more painful for them, you mentioned changing of the guard. In the year that was supposed to be Cleveland's, Cincinnati stole the show. Yeah. Your own state stole the show from you. Like that, that just stings. Like that just hurts a little bit more um, than the others. So yep. I had like, so it's funny because you had the Eagles and the Browns and I had the Eagles and the Browns. The Eagles one that I didn't, I was like, I'll save them just in case they're not brought up because I do want to give like, you yeah, know, I want to give other teams about, loves. Yeah. I don't want to talk about the same teams all the time and they're deserving of it. So, all right. Offensive and defensive performers of the week go ahead and start with the obvious offensive player of the week this week i will actually defer to you because last week i had this duo and i called them i called them out i stole them from you yeah. so i'm going to defer to you so weston would you please take it away yeah so i don't have a duo this man deserves to stand alone off of this performance okay i mean he deserves to stand alone because i stand by my comment I well he wasn't he wasn't throwing he wasn't throwing himself the ball <laughs> he might as well have been dude <laughs> Um, Lou, who did I tell you was the best the best player in this draft? Mac Jones. The, correct. <laughs> Mac Jones is my offensive player of the week. No, Jamar Chase, no secret, 11 for 266, three touchdowns, and he did it so many different ways. Dude, he's out there mossing people in the end zone. He's out there taking 70-yard slants to the fucking house. Mm -hmm. Like, he was just – We're on eight. We're on eight we're right on now. Eight. <laughs> he single-handedly probably won – many fantasy football championships this weekend, me included. Um, he, just to put it mathematically perspective, his point total in my league roughly accounted for 75% of my opponent's total points. 
right? And like, I won't even get into who else I had on my team. This wasn't even a competition, and it should have been. He was favored to win by like 30, and I won by like 70. Um, and that's all because of Jamar Chase, like, balled out. Uh, that performance alone is going to make sure is it probably going to guarantee he's a shoe in for offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I don't know why people were kept on talking about Mac Jones. He was an efficient quarterback. Um, play went down. He had a no, good yeah, 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 he it went down, but like he was efficient quarterback on a run heavy team. Yeah, eh. on a team okay. that plays good. I, defense. I, I never saw. I always thought. I always thought. I thought. I always thought it was Rashawn Slater, then Chase. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It's always Chase. Uh, but yeah, no. Last week, my duo was Burrow and Higgins. This week, it's Burrow, who went 30 for 39, 449 yards, averaging 14.9 yards uh, per throw and four touchdowns. And Chase, it just goes to show you, this Bengals offense is going to be a problem. If it's not Higgins going off, it's Chase going off. It's not Chase going off, it's going to be Mixon going off. You throw a couple offensive linemen in there, this is going to be a problem. They're all young. They're all under control for a long period of time and really cheap. They have to capitalize now. But this bank, this these, I said this Bengals offense is so multidimensional. They can beat you so many different ways. It's going to be scary. I think they're a year away, but uh, they are here to stay. Dude, they need to go. You got Higgins in year two, Burrow in year two, Chase in year one. One. You have Mixon. Mixon's, Mixon's probably like year four, maybe. Year well, no, four. no, 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 no. He's he resigned. He has a he, yeah. He's resigned for probably three more years. They need to just go spend their money and bring in a couple of veteran offense alignment and just back up the Brinks truck for the defense, right? Yeah. Like, and and they're going to be a problem, like I agree. a real, real problem. I agree. Um, I had Burrow too. Um, I would say another one for me was Rashad Penny. Um, someone okay. we both pounded the table for coming into final weekend of uh, uh, fantasy 25 for one. Boy, do we look smart. We, we look smart. Dude, I'll tell you what, man. I went back and listened to that because I was just curious, like, keeping receipts. We're good. We didn't miss on much. Dude. Yeah, no, I told you. Like, yeah, we didn't miss on, on much at all. Um, But 25 for 170, two touchdowns. Uh, big game for him. You got anybody else? I got one more. Uh, this is another guy we've been – last four weeks we've been – uh, you know, saying his name every week. I'm on St. Brown. All right. So, yes. all right, here, 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 hear me out. Eight catches, 111 yards, one touchdown. Also added two rushes for 23 yards and a touchdown. While this, why this is the, so impressive is because he did it with Tim Boyle under center for the Lions. I know he was under center for the Lions previous week, but all right, that could have been just a one hit wonder, but he made Tim Boyle look pretty good. Uh, so I'm on St. Brown. Uh, is one of my weekly performer offensive uh, players of the week because of the situation he was in. Yeah, he he's a player, and he's going to be – even though I know he wasn't taken like super late, he's still going to be a steal in this draft compared to some of the other um, wide receivers. I noticed this early, and I noticed in the first week against the 49ers, like he was open all day long. He suffered from drops. He suffered from incapability of the ball, getting to him competently. Being a rookie. He suffered from being a rookie. Yeah, but – I think the hardest thing for rookie wide receivers to do and the ones that separate themselves are the ones who get open and run good, clean routes. Like these, these corners are the elite corners from, you know, that they face in college. And it's, to me, it just was very 
telling early that I was even three halfway through the season. Cause he came on late in this season, right? Like statistically in production speaking, it came on very late, but like every week I was just more and more baffled. Like, why is this guy not like he should be dominant? Like he should be dominant. And then just took one week for it to click. And he's taken off ever since dude. And yeah, never looked back. Weeks, never six, seven weeks. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's get on the defensive side of the ball. Who do you got first on defense? I am going to start this one. Uh, yeah. It'll be T.J. Watt. Uh, yeah. he, I think, you know me, three sacks and up, you're getting mentioned. It's a Lugarini special. Yeah. And T.J. Watt had five tackles, three tackles for a loss, and four sacks. T.J. Watt is so interesting. It's such an enigma. All right, so for you, for your analytical nerds out there, his pass rush win rate is not great. So, meaning he doesn't beat his – uh, assign his offensive lineman that's lined up against him often, but he has such high sack numbers, meaning like it's either sack or nothing, and he has a boatload of sacks. Yep. So he's a, such an interesting study if you watch film on him and if you really crunch the numbers. But TJ four sacks in the game. Uh, kudos to TJ Watt. Dude, they sacked Baker nine times in that game. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Um, I think after the sixth time, like, okay, well, let's just run the ball more. <laughs> so TJ was my number two. Number two? I'm, yeah, I'm torn between my one and three guy who I want to call out. I'm just going to call out who I had one. I had Chuck Clark, number one. Seven tackles, three passes defense, a tackle for a loss, two picks, and one defensive touchdown. I know that came in a loss, but, you know, that's a that's – a, that's a, a, at this late in the season in a week that the Ravens really needed somebody to like step up and try to put a game away without Lamar Jackson and, and some of their weapons. It, it felt like he was doing everything he could to carry that defense. That's been laboring for a little bit. So I had Chuck Clark number, number one for me. Okay. TJ's right there. You got number, a number two on your list. Yep. From the redund- redundancy department of redundancy. I have, Cameron Jordan, defensive end. And that's why I'm going to take him because I know three Thank sacks you. is your thing. So you I'm, are, like, I'm not you are, saying you it. are a gentleman, my yeah. friend, <laughs> and a scholar. Uh, yeah, uh, he was one of I think he was like my seventh ranked uh, pass rusher from our offseason. Then we ranked the pass rushers, uh, but he had eight tackles, three tack, three tackles for a loss, and three and a half sacks against the Carolina Panthers. Like I said, three sacks and up. You are you are getting recognized uh, by your boy Lou. So Cameron right. Jordan. So I'm I'm taking this opportunity because I've done it once before and I don't know if I'll get the opportunity again in the regular season to go this route. So my another defensive player performance game ball for me goes to Mike Glennon, quarterback, New York Giants, who went four of 11 for 24 yards, two interceptions. Lou, the Giants had net negative 10 net receiving yards for an entire football game. For 60 minutes of football, their net passing yards was negative 10. He was the best player on the Chicago Bears defense last Sunday. So I was listening to this fantastic podcast where this awesome guy was talking about fantasy football, right? Uh, and he gave one of his pickums for fantasy football for the championship game. Uh, and he had the Chicago Bears. And he said, anyone against the New York Giants, you got to start them. Oh, wait a minute. That was me. So, 
I, that was me. I, I listened to that podcast. Because of that advice, I picked up the Chicago Bears defense off the scrap heap to start in my championship. Last minute, I decided to go with the Packers. Dude. Which I didn't think I could go wrong either, right? With their they're playing Sean Mannion, you know, and no Kirk Cousins in Lambeau. And they still give me adequate numbers, but throughout that one o'clock game, and I'm watching what Chicago's doing, I'm like, if this comebacks and bites me in the ass, I'm you be deserve so you deserve because of that, you deserve to have won only by half a point. <laughs> well, I won by 70 and a half points. So all right. All so right. I have one other player that I want to put out here. Go ahead. Um, and it's because Honest to God, and I'll, I'll literally send you my notes. He's been on my list seven times this year. You know, I, I, I come up with six to seven on both sides of the ball every week. He's been on my list at least seven times this year, and I think I've said his name once. And it's linebacker from the Atlanta Falcons, Foyside Olukun. Well, I know why you don't mention him too much. Because I can't pronounce mouth, it. Yeah, it's a mouthful just to say. Dude, 13 tackles, a pick, two passes defense. This guy's a linebacker, dude. And if you go back and look at his stat line, this dude should be a pro bowler. But he plays in Atlanta, and he's not getting the recognition that he deserves. He's a young player. I don't even know where he played college, dude. It might have been like Florida Atlantic or, or something along those lines. I'd have to go back and double and triple check. But, Lou, I shit you not. Like, I will send you notes from every single week. They're all saved in a Google Drive. I'll give you access to it. He's on there every time. I just – there's other people that peak beyond him. But you can't ignore when a linebacker week after week after week after week – like, 13 tackles is, like, his minimum output. Like, there's so been like, weeks where he's had 16, 17 tackles. Yeah, it's not only that you're playing for a bad team. You're playing for a poor defense. So that could be really disheartening. Where is the motivation? So good, good for him for you know being motivated to be a primetime player. So Foyside, Olukan, the We're Talking Football podcast loves you. We recognize you in your you, service. And we will tag you in our post if you have Twitter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So Lou, what do you what do you what are you watching this week, man? It has to be uh Chargers Raiders. Uh, the AFC West is perhaps one of the most exciting brand of football to watch. Explosive offenses, minimal defenses. It's easy. The winner of this game goes to the playoffs. So it's definitely that Chargers game. Yeah, I, I have Chargers Raiders. I have 49ers Rams for all the, the same reasons. Right? I have another one too. I do too. Um, but okay, it's not gonna it. be it's not gonna be yours. Um 49ers Rams, because hey, look, 49ers win, they're in. Rams are playing for that fine uh, to to clinch the NFC West and get a first round home game. Where if they lose and Arizona wins, they're mm -hmm. they're they're playing on the road. So a lot at stake for both teams. Um, if it was up to me, they would both because if they both tie, they both accomplish what they want to. So if Kyle and Sean can work it out pregame and they just take knees for seventy minutes. I'm good with that as well. If we can some find a way to, to, to work that out, but what's your, what's your other game? It's indeed Jacksonville. And let me tell you why wow. you kind of alluded to this before. All right. Hear me out. People you got, you got just buckle up. Stay with me on this. I don't want to lose you. Indy hasn't won in Jacksonville since like 2014. If the Colts somehow mess up and lose against, lose against the Jaguars this Sunday, this now opens up an interesting predicament that's been talked about these last couple of days between the Raiders and the Chargers. So, ready? If the Colts lose and the Raiders and the Chargers tie both L.A. and Las Vegas, 
are playoff bound. So all so why wouldn't the Raiders and the Chargers just do what take Kaepernick knees. <laughs> just do what Kaepernick was famous for and take a knee all game? Yeah. Think about it. why wouldn't they do something like that? Uh, and the, the best part about it is they have the last game of the week, right? There's no Monday night games this week. It's no. they have the last Sunday night game, so they can see so exactly how that well, plays out. And so they let's can say, do it. Hold, Weston, let's say this, ready? You know, the uh, Colts lose. I don't know who would call who first and be like, yo, what do you want to do? They have four hours to plan this out. I know. I, listen, I, I, the 49ers and the Rams are in the exact same predicament, you right? You can't like, trust the Chargers or Raiders. They're, they're rivals, though. They don't want to see the other one prosper. Well, th- so. that's the problem is these are both division games, too, right? Like, and I can no tell you this, Sean, though. No way Sean McVay is getting a caveat saying, like, you've now beat me the last five times and we tied, right? Like, he yeah. needs to go for that W for yeah. his self-esteem. So, All right. All right. I think we have our pickums next, right? We're at, we're at our pickums right now. What did uh, we do last week, buddy? You you went twelve and four. Woo! I went ten and six. Second place. <laughs> I gave back the ground that I made up the over the previous two weeks. I'm super pissed. Um, so I got to make. If you look at my little bottom, what's scrolling on right here? You see it. Can Weston find a way to surpass Lou? <laughs> well, no, no, no. Weston, what it really should be is, is Lou going to be a dick and just pick whoever Weston picks? <laughs> That's why you're picking first every game, my every, dear friend. Wow. All right. So let's say I don't win this this thing, uh, this whole like pick them thing because uh, I'm picking first every game this week. I think there should be a little asterisk here. All right. So. <laughs> Here's the newsflash for you. Up until last week, you picked first every game. I know, but it's like, why, like, yeah, why am I picking first all the time? I'm slow. But, but it's always <laughs> been my strategy to go like opposite of you anyway. It's been my strategy all year. I'm taking a page yeah. out like Michael Irvin's book, right? Like when he's winning, he just picks what everybody else is picking. When he's losing, he's going hog wild. So on the year, you are a very impressive 108, 66, and 1. That's pretty good. I am uh, 104.70 in one, oh, which, okay. yeah, yeah like second place, you know? I mean. Hey, silver. Silver, you look good in silver. <laughs> I, I kind of do, right? Yeah, right. Um, so let's go. Week 18, I have my pen. I have my notebook. Lou, first game up Saturday, 4.30, Kansas City Chiefs at the Denver Broncos. Take the Chiefs. They still have something to play for. Yes, they do. And that's why I'm taking them as well. All right. Dallas at Philadelphia. I'll take Dallas. They have more to play for. And also a bunch of people on COVID. I think they're going to – I don't think the Eagles are really going to – the game doesn't really matter too much. They're already in. So Yeah, that's not a game that I'm worth um, – I'm, I'm going to roll the dice on. Although I have four to make up. I have to take Philly. Wow, you're behind, behind four. Yeah. Ooh. So I have to take Philly. All right, Cincinnati at Cleveland. Ooh, this is tough because Burrow's not playing. Neither's is, Mixon. Neither is, I think, Baker. Yeah, whatever. That doesn't matter. Give me Cleveland. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking you want to? Hey, you should have to go pick for us all the time. So I know. So now I'm taking Cincy because I feel like I feel like Cleveland, uh, a Case Keenum led Cleveland offense doesn't really. I don't think it's. You know what this is? Oh my God, my pen just broke. It's so mad at I'm me. Weston, 
Weston, if people can't see, he's ridiculously flustered right now because he realizes <laughs> his chances of winning is just slipping through place. his fingers. All right. No, I have to go Cleveland too, dude. I have to. That's not the game I want to roll around. Green Bay at Detroit. Green Bay has already clinched the first round. Bye. I still, I, I still say Green Bay. I know. They, Rogers talking about how he's playing. Like Aaron Rodgers, I. Yo, he's pissed. No, no. Okay, go ahead. Pick your. I'll, go ahead. But this is why I, I, I like Aaron Rodgers because I don't believe in resting your starters. Right. Like sometimes I think. Outside of avoiding injury, sometimes that week off does more harm than good because hey, if you're in a rhythm team. and you're balling, like just keep I, it going. What least. he and Devontae Adams are doing right now is disgusting. Like yeah. it's disgusting. It's like long handoffs. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. So um, who, I'm taking who, I'm taking Green Bay as well. Chicago. Yeah, let me like, hold on, let me tell you okay. why it is Green Bay. Because Rogers is pissed what that guy in Chicago yeah. said about him. Yeah, he's so gonna he's going to throw for four fifty. Yeah, he's he's going to show him why he's the MVP. Okay, Chicago at Minnesota. Ooh, Chicago at Minnesota. Is Cousins playing? I don't. I honestly don't even know. I'm going to say. Give me Chicago. They've been playing better lately. Not only that, I feel like Mike Zimmer. Is a dead man walking, believe it or not. Yeah. I'm going to take Minnesota then just based off of that. Um, yeah. That's a game that I'm comfortable going opposite of you. All right. Washington football team at the New York football Giants. Washington football team. I mean, Jake Fromm's the thing is starting, right? Yeah. They might get uh, positive passing yards this week. Baby steps. Yeah. I'm going to take the Washington football team as well. I'm putting little asterisks as where I'm different so I can tally it up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I hate having to do this. Indianapolis at Jacksonville. Got to go Indy. No. How do you not? They're playing to get in. Frank Reich. But they haven't yeah. won in Jacksonville since 2014. Yeah, but you said yourself, you yeah. know, earlier the show yeah. that, like, you win, like, six in a row. It's bound to, yeah. you know. Yeah. And this is a different Indy team right now. Uh, Steelers at Ravens. Ravens. Yeah, just I, they have to get off the schneid. You know, they, they were not, not not only that. I just feel like that this last Lamar's week, back, right? I think so. So last week was uh, yeah, the, the Steelers' last game of the year. All right, Titans, Texans, Titans. Yeah, Titans too. Even though they really well, they have to win to keep that one seed. Otherwise, Kansas City takes it over. All mm-hmm. right, New Orleans at Atlanta. I don't like that. It's at Atlanta. Atlanta always plays New Orleans tough. I'll go New Orleans though. They have something they more to play for. I got I got Atlanta because I think I need Atlanta. That's just what it boils yeah. down to, right? Like I need I need that help outside of this. Like I just need the root for that. Um, Oof, I don't know. Jets, if you're gonna, okay, Jets at Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, I'm the Bills too. All right. 49ers at the Rams. Yo. All right. So unbeknownst but, uh, to me, I'm taking the Rams. All that being so, said, all so that being said, I. did I did I just say the Niners are not making the playoffs? Because if New Orleans wins and the Niners lose, they're out. That's correct. Oh shit. I didn't even that, that I wasn't trying to that wasn't. Listen, we're here talking football, man. Sometimes that's reality. I'm taking the Rams too. I don't 
we talked about it. Like, how many times they're gonna win six times in a row? Like, look, I'll be ecstatic, but it's not. Yeah, you reality. really need Atlanta to win. Yes, like yes, because if we both lose, us and want, Orleans, yeah, we're still. All right, so if Atlanta wins and you guys get in the playoffs, I need you to do the dirty bird on this. <laughs> I'll do the dirty bird any fucking day of the week, dude. Um, all right, New England at Miami. <clears throat> New England. Yeah, it's dude, to to uh did you see last week's game, yeah, dude? He didn't look too good. No, he's exactly what I told you he is. He didn't look too good. <laughs> too uh, good. Uh, I like that. Tammy, he looked more like Tammy Tug of Viola. <laughs> Have you seen those clips? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's so yeah. funny. When Jimmy comes up and the guy goes, Oxygen. <laughs> yeah, like that's all he needs. Water, you know. <laughs> like yeah. he's just like she's right. I was like, Jimmy is a girl. My God. <laughs> all right. Uh Seahawks at Cardinals. Cardinals. Cardinals need to win. So I'm going Cardinals too. Carolina at Tampa Bay. Tampa. Um, I mean that 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 offense has got awful in Carolina. I'm T B as well. And here's the final one. Chargers Raiders. You go first for this one. I feel like, you know. I'm going Chargers. I'm going Bolts. And this would be my I could potentially be my fourth differentiation. This would be the fourth? This would be the fourth. You know what, Weston? I like you. Hedge your bets. Hedge your bets. Protect my heart. Hedge yep. my bets. Yep. The Raiders. Raiders Nation. All right. There we go. Here it is. Week 18 picks in the book. I got four to make up. I don't like my chances. Um, you have to hit on all four to just tie. I, yeah, just to tie. Just to tie. We got to have a tiebreaker. Rock, we'll paper, figure. scissors, best of three on, on the live. <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. Yes, I, that's literally why have we done this sooner? Is, is more of my question. So, Lou, I promise you before the show, since we can't do fantasy football, um, there's no fantasy section this week as championships have taken place for the most part. Unless you're in a multi-week championship format, we don't care about you. We've already made our predictions. Yeah, our seasons care. are over. So done. Deal. Um, period stop the end um, for fantasy football right now, but we will join back with, with Jason Aponte and do some more off season fantasy shows, talk strategies, do that. Expect a lot of guests that we get closer to the season. So fantasy is still near and dear to our heart, just over for the season. And I don't want to talk about like uh, weekly draft leagues for playoffs yeah. and anything like that. That's, that's not us. We're here for the full season. So I'm going to throw you for a wrinkle here. I don't, even, I don't even know what he's bringing this up. Here, no, he does not. So I only to, gave him a find this out together. I only gave him a hint that there was going to be something different in this show. It's going to get a little weird. It's going to get two dragons. Two, two dragons. <laughs> Har. <laughs> so if the Chargers. <laughs> no, no. Let me turn the camera off. I got to boot him out of the room. How do I boot him out? All right. So if the Chargers do make the playoffs, who is the one team? you absolutely do not want to face. And so this can't be an obvious answer. You can't choose the team that is sitting in the number one seed right now. And I will do the same for the 49ers. Easy. Easy. Patriots. I just don't feel like, I just don't feel like 
we have the mental capacity to be an intelligent team like that. We make too many mistakes. We have too. We always shoot ourselves in the foot. Uh, we're very talented, but we're just too young of a team to compete. I, I say too young of a team to compete. Their 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 quarterback is a, is a rookie. Yeah. However, yeah, but a lot of those guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball, they've been there. They've seen that. They would give us fits. They have such a good rushing attack, good offensive line, so well coached. They never make mistakes. It's like they rarely make mistakes. So for me, it, it would be New England, believe it or not. That, that makes sense to me, right? I Go think into the, New England? Go into – oh, yeah, no. no, no I, I think the biggest concern is Belichick, right? Like that to me that is defense like – defense too. Like multiple looks. What, what sport does coaching matter the most? Answer football. is football, right? Um, and somebody who's done this time and, and time again. Um, I'm not, I'm actually not even shocked or surprised by your answer, right? Because I feel like you match up well against the Bills. Like, can Cincinnati's defense stop a high powered offense? They have struggled. We've seen we how you competed against yeah. Kansas City, you know what I mean? Like, you're one for one, you could easily be two and oh. Um, in, Tennessee in these would games. scare me, but they are the one seed, and you said I couldn't say the one seed. Well, uh, I think I wouldn't know what to expect what to expect from Tennessee, to be honest with you, especially with King or with uh, Derrick Henry coming back. So that would be interesting. Well, that's that to me would be the scare is the scariest proposition, right? Is they found ways to get to this point and win against good football teams, and now yeah. they're getting their best player back. Like, hmm, that that that's rough. But I feel the same way. So I'll answer the question for the 49ers, right? If they're fortunate enough to get in, um. I, I think the obvious one would be the number one seed and it would be green Bay. I don't think anybody wants to play green Bay right now. Right. Like I just think the way they're moving the ball on offense and they're playing good getting defense. better defensively or getting yeah, healthier like, defensively. Like I, I just don't see any defense of scheme or player who is capable of stopping Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams right now. They are and, that insane. Defense, it's incredible. Yeah, your defense is good. I'm not taking anything away from them. And D'Amico Ryan's done a great job uh, with you know with your defense, with the limited resources he has, especially towards the back end. All that being said, though, I don't think he's ready to stop Rodgers. No, no, nobody. I don't is. think his defense is. I, I honestly, looking at this slate, I'm not surprised if Aaron Rodgers gets his second Super Bowl. Like it's, I I don't think the NFC is as tough as people like as records would say. That, We've talked about it all year. Like I've been saying that all year. So here's the reality. The team that I wouldn't want to face would be the Rams because I don't ever like your chances. Let's say the 49ers beat the Rams this weekend to get into. That's how they get into the playoffs. I already just talked about how difficult it is to beat a team six times in a row. Now seven times in a row and three times in one season. Like that's an, an impossible task, right? Like the Cardinals are beatable right now. Like we've seen that even with Kyler. No DeAndre there has changed that offense. They are beatable. Shit, we played them better when they had all of their weapons than when they marched out Colt McCoy, right? And we started, you know, Trey Lance in his first ever start in that game. The Cowboys are beatable, man. They are yeah, sink or swim. Uh, rushing attack isn't as potent as it once was. Offensive line isn't armed bullies as they used to be. Uh, Dak is doing good, but he, he he's not putting up our arcade or video game number like numbers. Gallup out for the year is going to hurt that. Trust me, that, Gallup, that hurts that offense. Their running backs are banged up, like I said before. Their defense is better. All that being said, though, uh, they do have a couple chinks in their armor. 
yeah. not taking away from. I'm saying they're a good team. They're good. They're but, playoff worthy, but they don't scare me if my team is playoff worthy. You're like, oh, we got as a well. chance. We can do yeah. this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like even Tampa Bay, right? Like a banged up Mike Evans, no Leonard Fournette, no Chris Godwin, no Antonio Brown anymore, right? Like it's it's real. It's Tom Brady and 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 Ronald Jones, and like yeah, the the threat of Gronk like scares you because you never like those the magic that those two, but like he's one back hit away. From yeah, the- dude, I. So I've dropped my scheme to take Gronk out of this and say, all right, Brady, go throw to these guys and let Ronald Jones try to run all over me. And the 49ers play pretty Jones, damn well Jones against got, the run. Jones got hurt, I thought. I don't even so – they're they're in trouble, right? They're they're in trouble. I think the yeah, best thing got, that can happen to them is they draw Philly. That's yeah, the best got, thing that can happen to you gotta them. Feel, you got to feel for uh, the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Yeah, I feel so bad for Tom. Brady. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. I do feel bad for Bruce Arians because I like Bruce Arians, right? Love like, there's Bruce some Arians. guys there that are playing their ass off, but it's hard to root for your team and feel sorry for your team when the the face of your team has been to like 400 Super Bowls, right? Like, you just don't. You know, Brady good. has become likable these last two years because he's it, like it, talking trash. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Say he's funny. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't give a shit anymore, dude. Yeah. Like, he's got nothing to worry about. Yeah. All right. So that that was my little curveball. I just wanted to get your your sentiment on that. I hope we're having this conversation in more detail uh, post this weekend. We'll see. I hope um, so, man. Week eighteen, right? I'm rooting yeah. for you, man, and I I know you're rooting for me. So we're so, on the same page. Here's the thing. For me, I just want them to get to the postseason. I don't expect them to do much if they do get to the postseason. It would be such a moral victory in such a great building block. Yeah. Uh, all right. First, the, the Chargers, the first year under Herbert, uh, lost a lot of close games in the beginning, then rattled off like five or six in a row towards the end and won some games. You know, uh, here this would show another building block that, hey, you know, Herbert can lead his team to the playoffs. And also it'll be big in the offseason for the fact that, hey, they can perhaps with the salary cap, how healthy they are salary cap-wise, and where they are in Los Angeles, say what you want. Still Los Angeles. Yeah. Like, hey, that team is, is, you know, Ryan the Rise. It would be attractive. Hey, the LA Clippers did it, right? They were like, hey, like, you want to come live in LA? We're an up-and-coming team as well, and kind of piggyback off of the talk of the town, which was the Lakers, and made the Clippers competitive for quite some time, right? Like, there is that opportunity for them for sure. I agree. I don't necessarily believe in moral victories, but if there is one, like, that is definitely one. Um, and I and I kind of feel the same about the 49ers. Like coming into the season, I did not subscribe to the 2019 run it back because I knew we were different. Like I knew we were different in so many ways. Uh, my hype and my excitement was more about the investment in the future with Trey Lance and Trey Sermon and some other pieces. Um, what I think I'm taking from the season is like, hey, we found out that this Elijah Mitchell kid can really play, right? Like, hey, Brandon Ayuk still has it he wasn't a one-hit wonder in his rookie season he is ascending Debo like what he's done and then of course when you had that like four game that three game skid after starting two and oh expectations set in like all right like even where we are right now to me only seems possible because nobody pulled away in the Mm -hmm. NFC outside the Packers right like everybody was clustered in this pack that made it an opportunity to get in the playoffs. I feel like making the playoffs in both division in both conferences just look different this year, right? Like it, it, it's all the way down to the home stretch and it hasn't really separated until like the last few weeks. So I too 
if they don't get in, there's still a lot of excitement. But I do want to make the playoffs, right? Because I do want to make the playoffs because I want to watch one more week of meaningful football to me and my team, just like I know you want to. And I, too, agree that I think that's a huge building block, knowing what we get back next year, knowing that we're going to see the Trey Lance experiment in, in full swing next year. Like, mm-hmm. lot to be excited about that. But like, Will you, the, though? Will you? Maybe Jimmy G plays. Starts next year. Bro, I, I said no, but I, I said it. Like, don't be shocked. It's ad nauseum. <laughs> don't, don't be shocked. But, uh, you know, like, there's just – you know, some things to, to be excited back. Like we didn't really see like half of our rookie class this year. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, cause we were a pretty deep team for, for the most part, but all that being said, selfishly, I want one more at the least one more meaningful football game. I'm a huge believer in all you gotta do is look at, look at the giants two super most, two most recent super Bowls They won. They were wild card teams run the table. It's all Steelers, it takes, man. Steelers one time was like that yeah. too. You know. Just get hot and run the table. Um, and there are some teams that are playing right now that are sneaking in. Like Philly could be dangerous. They're hot right now. You know, no, like I don't, I don't think they're, I, I think they're pretenders and all that, you know, that's just my opinion. Uh, cause of the teams they beat. Um, True. True, yeah. but hey, all you gotta do is believe in yourself, right? Like they're yeah. they're well, four straight, you know. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, this Sunday, uh, this Sunday night, my my uh, New Year's resolution will be hard hardcore put to the test of me being more common than like. So yeah, yeah, I get it, dude. I, I I'm already coming out and telling you that like my New Year's resolution was to limit my alcohol intake, and I have done that to this point. But I've already had this conversation with my wife, like. I'm going to be fall on my face fucked up on Friday, on Sunday nine, watching my nine. games. It's I know. Nine. Whatever, dude. I'm, I'll, I'll I'll go- thought, come on, let's get to double digits. Just say it again. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's ah, do it. Double digits. There we go. All right, that wraps us up for our Week 17 recap. Hope everybody enjoys the show. I'm really looking forward to Week 18. Lou, like I always do, I'll rely on you to tell everybody where they can find us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at WTF Pod NFL. Or on YouTube at We're Talking Football. Hit that like, hit that subscribe, hit the chime. Make sure you get the alerts when the, when the videos go up. I'm getting better at getting them out in a, in a timely fashion. Uh, Lou, one more regular season week to go. Good luck, um, buddy. You too, brother. I'll chat with you soon, man. All right. Take it easy. Bye.